You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we are going to talk about the gear that I used um, throughout my archery season here in Iowa and South Dakota and some of the products that um, I, I used and that I really like. Some of these are actual uh, companies and brands that pay me to use their products. Others uh, are not, but I'll tell you this. Almost all of the companies I talk about, whether they're a partner with me or not, I have been using before um, I, I had any type of partner. So take everything I say with a grain of salt and let me emphasize that a majority of people, no matter what I say, you shouldn't be influenced by what other people say. You should go and do your research and you should find the products that work best for you. And um, all of these products in my daily routine or seasonal routine I love these products they work the way that I work they match my style and uh, man this is going to be not a not a huge uh, detailed episode I'm going to get kind of right into it I'm going to explain how I use them in my strategy in my routine and then we'll just kind of end it so um, before we get into today's episode we have three partners that I really want everybody to go check out um, uh, one of them is the average conservationist, the averageconservationist.com. They are a, a lifestyle brand and apparel company. They are 2% for, uh, conservation certified business. They have a podcast here on the sportsman's nation podcast network. And, uh, uh, I really think you should go to the averageconservationist.com. Check out their, all their awesome t-shirts hoodie. I'm wearing the camo hoodie right now. It's badass. I have the the average conservation general hat uh, right next to me i love the logo love the style of that uh so go check out uh, their uh, 
their their hats, their hoodies, their t-shirts, really cool logos. Um, and the, the thing that makes me excited to work with them is right off the top of any revenue that they make, they are donating 10% of their income to some form of conservation effort. So that's pretty big. And uh, I think that's, uh, you know, I like working with brands who put the natural resource first and uh, the average conservationist does that. Uh, Next, Lone Wolf Tree Stands, man. You're going to hear me talk about them today. So all I'm going to say, oh, hang on, let me back up. Average conservationist, go check out their their website, theaverageconservationist.com and enter the discount code NFC10, NFC10 for 10% off of your purchase. Uh, Really cool. Next, you're gonna hear me talk about Lone Wolf Tree Stands, how I use them, discount code 9FC21, 9FC21. And uh, that's gonna give you $50 off of any purchase over $200. So that can be like 18 to 25%, depending on what products you buy. And then lastly, Hunt Stand, uh, I'm also going to talk about Hunt Stand, how I used it today uh, throughout the season, and uh, um, how it is almost like I don't know what I would do without it type of scenario. So go check out HuntStand.com and uh, enter the discount code SN20, SN20 for 20% off of your purchase. Now, that's the products. Let me take a sip of my foo-foo drink right here. Let me tell you what I'm drinking right now. I'm drinking a white chocolate latte with oat milk, half syrup. I, I decided, you know, I decided I wanted to not put the whipped cream in it because that would probably take it too far. But this is just foo-foo enough for a real man like myself <laughs> to uh, to drink it. So, I don't know. It, it's, uh, it's really good. So, I was sitting in my... I was having a conversation with a guy and we were talking about the strategy that I used to, uh, to be successful, not only in South Dakota this year, but in Iowa as well. And I was talking to a guy, he's like, Oh, what kind of mobile tree stand do you use? And I'm just like, well, I use a lone wolf, but mobile hunting really isn't a, like a gear thing, you know, a saddle or a tree stand doesn't like a specific thing doesn't make you mobile it's your mindset in my opinion that makes you mobile um but there are products out there that make that mindset easier to accomplish when you're you know you don't have to take a ladder stand down and move it up to another draw or whatever so i was thinking about all all the things that kind of go into the the style, my methodology, my ideology of how I hunt and how I apply that to my hunting strategy. And, um, I got a list here of products that I just, that just really stick out, uh, for me. Um, the first one I'm going to mention just cause it's quick is Arctic shield boot covers. Um, this year, one pair of socks, non-insulated boots. Uh, now it didn't get crazy cold right now. It's snowing in Iowa, but, uh, it didn't get crazy cold this you know, I, I tagged out really before the temperatures dropped. The coldest morning I had was like 26 degrees, and I threw those boot covers on. And man, I tell you what, my feet were nice and warm, and didn't have to uh, deal with any coldness. So that's product number one, and that's a that's a no brainer. If you are like I, I don't use rubber boots anymore, so uh, non insulated hiking boots and boot covers and I, I know it's just another thing to pack in with you uh but 
the the outcome of packing in that extra stuff is just something that you know i'm going to continue to do until i can find something better now all right in my hunting strategy this is kind of how it's, it's laid out locate make a move and then adjust if necessary so how do i locate i locate uh deer in several ways um but a lot of it because I am a father of three. I have a lot of activities with those kids. I have my responsibilities at home and I have a business to run. I am limited to, you know, I'm not the 26 year old version of me who has free reign to go and do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. I can't, I can't do that anymore. So I rely a lot on historical data and trail camera uh, data to tell me what's going on in the woods um, as recent as cell cams, um, which, you know, I hunt a lot of river bottom ground and cell cams are awesome. And the Exodus cameras that I, I have work great, but most of them just don't work down in these river bottoms because they're out of cell range. And obviously if you don't have cell service, you can't have a cell cam. So um, this year, I uh, put out, I would have, I want to say I put out five more trail cameras this year than I did last year. And so how do I use these trail cameras? Well, I go out, I set them up, uh, you know, throughout the summer over mineral sites. And, and for the most part, that's where those cameras stay. Uh, I don't typically move those a lot, but I can't hunt anywhere real around those because um, there's laws in Iowa that prevent me from hunting near or any trails that lead up to any type of uh, uh, mineral station. So those trail cameras throughout the summer months are just there to get an idea of what deer in the area, you know, like I just love checking trail cameras and, and, and looking at velvet bucks. So because of that, then what I do is I will, uh, you know, just kind of take an inventory of what's there that transfers over into September. And then sometime in, in September, maybe even this year, it was even early October. I will go to de- uh, deploy or move trail cameras into Um, historically good trails, historically good fence crossings, historically good pinch points and uh, travel corridors. And that allows me to see what deer are in the area and what deer, what areas I should be focusing more of my time on. Um, I have a certain caliber of deer in mind that I want to, uh, I guess, attack every single year. And trail cameras allow me, most importantly, you know, like, they they tell me what deer are in the area, but the thing that is almost equally, if not more important, is what areas you need to kind of just stay out of, right? Uh, I don't need to hunt this area because in the past two months in this really good funnel, I haven't caught one deer that I would be interested in shooting. So why go hunt there? Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, that doesn't tell you everything that goes on in the woods. You're right. It doesn't. But over a handful of month period of a, a trail camera soaking, you would think that um, all the deer in that area would work by. Maybe not. That's just kind of my methodology towards it. So this year, Exod- the, the Exodus trail cameras really allowed me to um, bas- basically uh, weed out half of the farm and say, well, there's nothing over here I even want to hunt. It left me with half the farm to hunt, the other half of the farm to hunt. And then what I do with that is um, I, I collect data 
you know, throughout the season. Uh, so from October 10th to when I went and checked it on November 3rd, I believe it was the, the afternoon of November 3rd. And then the morning of November 4th, I collected all this trail camera data, um, throughout the whole farm. And that's what led me to saying, okay, ignore this part of the uh, farm. I got a five-year-old over here that I'm going to focus on. Um, and not only just half the farm, but then you weed out all of the places where just deer don't hang out. They're not going to hang out with horses in a pasture. They're not going to hang out in the middle of a um, of a, a picked cornfield during the day. Uh, yes, that's more of a nocturnal spot or a destination. So then I have to try to find those terrain features. Um, you know, find those terrain features that they work. And I, you know, you, you get that from experience and you get that from uh, hunting of a farm for, uh, however many years. And, uh, so, uh, Exodus is just, you know, my Exodus trail cameras are just a really good data collection, um, uh, part of my my strategy it allows me to collect that data and then it allows me to insert that data into an equation and whatever kind of comes out of that equation like wind direction uh time of year uh you know food source um you know wind direction all that stuff gets uh, compiled into that uh, that equation and out comes a tree stand location uh and an access route so i have to use that access route to get to that tree stand location and uh, hopefully that the deer that i've captured in in this is uh, you know in those trail camera pictures is, is in the area now i'm going to jump to another product which is hunt stand and again for me hunt stand is great because not only is it a uh a mapping service, right? You pull up the maps, you you can zoom in, zoom out. You can look at topo lines. You can look at satellite imagery. You can look at property boundaries. All those things are great. But how I use it, I, I use all those, those uh, all that functionality. But at the same time, I'm also using it as data collection. So every time I put a trail camera up, I mark on that trail, on that map where that trail camera is. And then I leave a mental note or I can even, um, I know on hunt stand, I can even upload an image into an area or into that map and say, okay, this buck was here at this time. So what I've done then is I've left a data point on a map. And this is what I did this year. So you leave a data point on a map, you go to another data point, you draw a line. And then what you do is after however many months or days or weeks or years of collecting data, you have all these data points on a map. And then what I do is I draw lines, every point to every point. And now you have this crazy star looking thing. And within that, in this, this, uh, geometrical, uh, I don't know what you're looking for shape are all these terrain features all this uh, topo uh, information. And you can look at that and you can say, okay, well, he's here, he's here, he's here. Let's look at the terrain features within this area and see what uh, what the best wind direction would this uh, be for this area? What the best access route would be for this area? Okay, the wind shifted. Now we need a new access route. Now we need uh, uh, potentially a new stand location. So all this these these data points help me approach uh where to put my tree stand location in these terrain features that are on a map sometimes that's a bedding area sometimes that's a pinch point sometimes that's a a travel corridor 
but I don't make that decision. Like I just don't go and say tonight I'm hunting a bedding area. No, tonight I'm hunting in the spot that is going to allow me the greatest odds of uh, connecting with the deer. And I do that by trail camera data and by digital maps. Okay. So, and, and historical information that is just kept in my brain. Right. So that kind of, that kind of is the, the locating part of how I, uh, approach hunting and, and where I should hunt and how I should hunt at access routes. Again, you hear me talk about access routes all the time. These are two, uh, you know, these are two products that allow me to make those decisions, excuse me, allow me to make those decisions, access routes and, uh, tree stand locations. So there's that now we're on the move right? We've decided where we're going to hunt. Now we have to uh, go ahead and talk about the, the products that I use, you know, let's just say specifically for access routes and tree stand locations. So we'll break it down into access routes and tree stand locations at this point. I know what you're thinking and that is scent free. Oh man, we got to be as scent free as possible, man. I don't wash my clothes. I don't, uh, take showers between every hunt. Um, I take my hunting gear and I put them into an Ozonix dry wash bag. I run a 30 minute cycle. Um, after I get out of the woods, I run another cycle as I'm getting dressed, uh, with my clothes. And then I go out into the, uh, I go out into the woods. I put my uh, Ozonix in my backpack. I crack the top of the backpack open so it can breathe. And then I will actually turn my Ozonix on as I'm accessing the, um, accessing the tree stand, right. In hopes that the ozonics is distorting my scent profile into whether, whether it distorts it into something like, uh, uh, making it smell like I'm at a further distance than what I really am, or, or even using it as a overwhelming of the, like they don't smell me, but they smell the ozonics and they're like, what, what, what's that? Oh, it's not a threat. So I don't need to be afraid of it. On top of that, then I uh, am spraying nose jammer. Like, I know a lot of people will look at this and go, well, for someone who says they're hardcore about it, you know, you would think that the access route is, uh, is not as important if you're spraying this, you know, scent free, being scent free isn't as important. Well, uh, I am going off of what I have experienced over the last however many years, man. I think I've been using nose jammer since it came out and, uh, nose jammer mixed with ozonics in my opinion. And this is only my opinion is deadly as far as access. It allows me to still live and die by great access routes, but sometimes those great access routes are uh, how do I put this? They are aggressive. And sometimes, uh, like I did with my recent Iowa buck, the, the access route is actually going to blow scent into the timber. Um, I had the option of having a deer potentially see me versus having a deer smell me at a long distance. So I had my Ozonics running. I sprayed my boots, my hat, my quiver, uh, my bow case, my bow holder, uh, all in nose jammer. I use it very liberal. And then, uh, 
I took a huge loop out around into a horse pasture and then angled back into the uh, angled back into the the uh, the tree stand, and I made it in there without anything. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I don't know because I can't see the whole timber at one time. But I shot a great buck that night who potentially came from that direction. So. As far as my access routes and scent control, those two things are, and I just, I, I have nothing but positive experiences with those things. There are times uh, where if a deer smells me, uh, and whether I have an Ozonics or nose jammer or not, uh, if they really want to bust me and find me, they're going to do it, right? But a majority of the time, especially during the rut, the deer just aren't like stopping and they're so freaked out unless they've already been spooked or jumped that I, I can get away with having them smell something. They'll put their nose up. They're like, eh, well, it's not a threat because it's, you know, it, it doesn't smell like a, a, a nose full of human at 20 yards. So, so as far as Ozonics is concerned, outside of the timber it has a huge application and i i attribute that to access routes because um the clothes are clean on the ground and your the scent of you and the scent of your clothes are more important on the access route walking in than it is while you're actually in the tree because then you can actually start to play the wind with that said there's an asterisk on that statement because then i throw the ozonics in the tree with me and turn it on here's here's what i'm going to say about uh using ozone and using ozonics um borrow one from a buddy maybe you're debating on buying one uh maybe you are uh, curious about how ozone works go to ozonics's website and really like read into it Read about how it works. And even don't go to Ozonics's, Ozonics' website. Go do your research on how O3 works. And I'm telling you right now, I have had so many positive encounters with deer on aggressive winds where they may have smelled me on an angled wind when they're coming, you know, one of those scenarios where uh, maybe it's swirling a little bit or maybe uh, the deer's coming down a ridge and my scent is blowing just underneath of them. And they, they catch something on a little wind shift, but instead of freaking out, they just go, eh, well, I'm going to, I'm still going to go this same way, or I'm going to walk up a little bit, uh, or even on a downwind, a straight downwind, a, a doe shows up. And instead of blowing and letting the whole timber know that you're there, she may get a little curious, walk up, you, you know, obviously you got to stay still. And then she works her way off, but they are not blowing the whole timber up and that can save you a hunt. Right. So a uh, huge fan of Ozonics in, in that way, huge fan of nose jammer for the access route. And then, you know, and then we got, let me look at my, um, so hunt stand obviously allows me to look at a map, look at topo lines. Um, that's, that's the Iowa version of it. Now the South Dakota version of it, where I had little to no experience with, with this ground, it's great to have something in your pocket to pull up and say, okay, here's the boundaries. Here's the walk-in ground. Here's the public, you know, here's the state ground. Here's the, the federal forest, um, all that stuff. It is just so much information in the palm of your hand. And for the price of that, it, it's a no-brainer, right? You just pick it up, you look at it and go, hey, I need to go over to this next ridge. And then again, 
Maybe the first year you strike out or the second year, like I did two years in a row, you strike out, but now you have all these data points. I saw deer here, saw deer here, saw deer here. And, uh, you can start weeding out other places and going to these high, high concentrated areas of deer movement. And you start putting the pieces of of the puzzle together and you use those pieces of the puzzle every single time, every single year, you mark deer, mark deer, mark deer, mark deer. And then, It's just, it cuts the time in half for you to have to go locate them because historically they're going to be in the same spots, right? So uh, that's how I use, that's how I use hunt stand. Now, the next, the next one is kind of a, something that you guys have heard me talk about. I am not the guy who goes and mods out uh, his tree stands with a whole bunch of tricks and, and puts, uh, uh, you know, extra steps on them and, uh, puts, uh, you know, a ton of, you know, rope on them and like all they just, just tricks it out. Here's what I do on my lone wolf sticks. I put a little bit of, uh, a hockey tape on them on my stand. I put a little bit of hockey tape on it and that's it, man. I'm not, I'm not tricking my stand out. You know, I don't, for me, I guess I'm not trying to set up a tree stand 50 feet from a deer so as far as being quiet is concerned we have to remember that deer's hearing a deer's hearing is good but it is not like ultrasonic where they can hear you know a clink maybe a small clink at 100 yards right they they can't hear that stuff so yes if you're real aggressive and you're trying to get in a bedding area and you don't want anything to spook and yeah you know that precaution may work for you again for me I'm just not a fan of that. The it's already designed so quietly and I guess I'm not throwing I'm not trying to rush. So I'm not trying to wrap something up quick and set it up quick. I'm I'm taking my time. I get to the bottom of the tree, throw that first stick on, make sure it's good and tight, go up to the next and and just do that. And over time, you learn on what to do and what not to do. And yes, accidents happen and you'll clink a a buckle on a a stick and it'll clinking, it'll clank. But I've never, I've never had it clink so loud that it just like a shotgun went off and it blew everything out of whatever area I'm trying to hunt. So I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a mod guy. So the mobility of all this, right? My, my, my mobile mindset just, and I'm not, a, I'm not going to do saddles. There's just, I have something personal. Uh, I have a couple things when it comes to saddle hunting that I just can't get over quite yet. Uh, and to be honest with you, I think my knees, uh, just might not be able to take it. Of course, I've never, I've sat in a saddle before, but I've never actually hunted out of one. So it's a completely, uh, factless statement, right? I, so I don't, I don't know, but I am so good with uh, four sticks and a lone wolf assault that I can go in any tree. I can get comfortable. I can set up uh, really uh, quickly and quietly, and I can tear down quickly and quietly. Um, and it's just something that over the over 15 years, I mean, I think I picked up my first 2005. I think I had a lone wolf even before I got my finger cut off, and I got my finger cut off in 2005. So... I've been using it for that long. I'm just comfortable with it. Now, is it, it, it's heavier than a saddle, but it's not so heavy that like one thing that I don't understand from a strategy standpoint is these guys who are like, Oh man, like all that weight, 
well, Jesus, man, it's not like, it's not like you're packing an elk out of the woods or packing the elk in, like hundreds of pounds into the timber every single hunt. Yeah. You're adding, you're adding weight, but I guess, uh, that amount of weight doesn't bother me. I, I'm, I, I've been used to it over the years. I'm in fairly good shape. I don't, I don't feel like, um, how, you know, whatever that is, is just so inconvenient. That's not how, that's not how I look at it. Then once I get into the tree, right. What's awesome about lone wolf is the ability to level your stand, level your seat, and not only level it frontwards, backwards, but level it side to side so that, um, once you get into the, this gnarly tree that's in the right spot, I can be comfortable, right? I can set it up. I can set it up on a, a, the back end of a tree so that if the deer movement comes from one direction, I can, uh, I can hide behind that tree and maybe get away with a little bit more movement. That's one thing I've learned over the years. And so for me, it's just, it's just a product that I feel very comfortable with and, the other thing, there's so many tree stands out there where maybe not the whole tree has to be, the whole tree has to be uh, uh, straight, but just a portion of it has to be straight. And with Lone Wolf, it doesn't have to be straight at all. Like you can you can adjust it uh, in in the timber. And um, man, like I just don't understand companies that don't haven't made any adjustments to like their tree stands to operate or, or an accessory to where, Hey man, trees just aren't straight. Unless you're hunting some kind of pine plantation, uh, trees are not straight all the time. And there's a lot of times where, uh, I need to be in the right position in the right location of like, uh, on other podcasts, we've talked about having a spot the spot within the spot, right? You're on the right ridge, but now where on this ridge do you, do you want to be? And Lone Wolf allows me to, to get into that. So, um, you know, so there's that. So Lone Wolf, um, man, just a huge fan of that company. So I got Wasp, Vortex, Day6, and Bowtech. Yeah, all right. So I'm going to jump to Bowtech. And the first ever bow that I uh, bought with my own money <laughs> I, I bought it with what i call finger money so when i got my finger cut off i got uh i got uh, some money from the insurance company and i went to uh um, a shield store here in iowa and i bought a bow i bought arrows and it was a Bowtech tribute that was the very first bow i ever bought with um oh well, i bought another one with my own money but it was like for 50 bucks at a garage sale or something like that but you know, all the accessories that went went into it, and so I have a uh, uh, I got a Bowtech uh, solution this year. I shot a ton of bows before the season started, and so I decided on a Bowtech tribute. And I know we can sit here and have the debate of, oh man, any bow can kill a uh, a deer. You're right, but not for for on an individual basis. Not every bow will make a person feel comfortable. And this Bowtech solution really made me feel comfortable, not only comfortable, but after the fact that I took it into the shop, I spent multiple hours with a Bowtech, twisting strings, getting the cams fire uh, to fire. At the same time, uh, I got a new, um, you guys have heard me talk about a, uh, 
uh, a ripcord arrow rest. Uh, I went in a different direction this year and I went with a limb driven, uh, a limb driven vapor trail. And, uh, that worked like, I'm still a huge fan of ripcord. I still love ripcord arrow rest, but I just wanted to try something different this year. And, uh, I went with a, uh, a limb driven vapor trail, uh, with that. And then I went with a, on my site is a, it's a react. What is it? It's a, a trophy Ridge react five. It was an older site that I had and it was just kind of sitting in a, in a pile and I put it back on and it works great, but there's something about just taking a bow out of the box and shooting it and then getting it tuned properly and then shooting it. It's night and day. And not only that, but it's extremely fun when your bow is making that noise and it's not like a clink or a clank or it's loud. It's, you know, it's tuned properly because it's, uh, and as we all know, if a, if a bow is loud, it means it's inefficient. There's something going on with it where the distribution of the arrow, the energy through that bow is, um, is not efficient. So when you have it properly tuned, you know, you get it, uh, not only do you get the cams firing at the same time, but you get the rest and the sight in line and you paper tune it. And like, I did all these things and my bow was firing darts, like silent darts. And, uh, man, that it just makes a guy feel confident. And so, uh, the Bowtech man just worked great. Now, now we, we've talked on this podcast before you're tuning your bow to your arrows, right? And so, not only do I like the owner of this company who's just a slayer, like he has that he has that mentality of no frills, my arrows are the shit. I'm not going to give discount codes out. I'm not like I make the best arrow on the market and uh and I think he's right, right? Um so day 6 arrows, right? I think it's uh day 6. I can't uh I can't remember the website at this point, but day 6 uh Day six gear, I think it's called day six arrows, man. I'm shooting the second heaviest arrow that they make. I think my total arrow weight was 520 grains. And that included my wasp broadhead on there. So these arrows, it's like I'm, I'm shooting a baseball bat at a deer with uh, a, a broadhead on it. They're, they're heavy they're durable. They are the most uh, tolerant. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're the most tolerant on the market at this point. Uh, so they're solid and, uh, it's just another brand that after I moved over to them, I felt confident. So now I have this bow that, uh, is tuned properly. I'm it's shooting arrows that I know are consistent and on the tip of these arrows, I'm I'm having a I'm shooting a broadhead that I've killed more deer with than any other broadheads combined. Um, I've been shooting uh, wasp jackhammers since 2006, and uh, I've I've stepped away from from them a couple times. I've you know I've shot I'm I'm trying to think of other brands that I've shot. I've shot uh, NAP and I've shot Slick Trick. Uh, I'm pretty sure those are the only two. Uh, other brands that I've shot in this however many years since 2006. Uh, and I've been, I keep going back to wasp 
And there's something about a Wasp band that is just, I, I love the brand, but I love the people too. And I know that it's a, a made in American a company. So that has a little bit to do with it as well. But these jackhammers, man, when you shoot a deer and, and, and here's the argument again, oh man, if you shoot a deer in the right spot, it's going to die. You're right. It will. But there's something about the broadhead debate that is just like the Chevy Ford Dodge debate. And I am a huge fan of my wasps and, uh, they destroy And this year that, uh, that heavy arrow coming out of a fast bow. I had some power behind my arrow, uh, this year. And the first thing that hits the deer is the broadhead. And I, <laughs> so not only did I cut its the deer's windpipe, but, and I mean, in half, I cut the windpipe, but my arrow, my broadhead went there's a area where the heart connects with the lungs. There's like all this tissue and vessels and, and uh, uh, like, uh, veins and whatever. And my arrow went right into that spot. My deer took two hops and fell over dead. And when I was cleaning the gut, uh, when I was gutting the deer, the heart just kind of rolled out on its own. Like I disconnected the heart from the rest of the body. I didn't hit the heart, but I disconnected it from the rest of the uh, circulatory system, I guess you'd say. And, uh, it's one of those things where as a hunter who has, um, who has had his fair share of off shots, and I'm going to get into one of those next, it's good to see that the damage that this did allowed this animal to die ethically and very quickly. And so it didn't even know what the hell was going on before it was, you know, it was already dead. Now we have another scenario, and this is another reason why I uh, I like wasp. We all pray for that quick, fast, ethical kill. But as we all know, there are times when this ethical kill just does not happen, right? We, we're off, the deer moves, we have all these uh, uh, variables that can happen, and uh, sometimes shit happens, and we, we don't have the clean ethical kill that we, we want. So I will say this, I, I took a, a hard quartering shot in South Dakota on this whitetail. I hit a little further back than I wanted. So I hit, uh, I nicked a liver, got guts, and then a whole bunch of veins. So the damage that this broadhead did, specifically the jackhammers, uh, it was a pass through. It did a ton of damage and paired with the bow, paired with the, uh, uh, paired with the bow and paired with the uh, arrow and the the broadhead, I delivered a package that w just went through the whole deer, and it bled a lot. And finally, I caught up to it, and it was dead. So I had to track it for a little while, you know, way longer than what I did with my Iowa my Iowa buck, but. It did a lot of damage and that's what I want. I want damage. I want, I, I want to try to have two egg, you know, a pass through. I want to try, I want to try to have those things. Uh, and so the, the off shot that I had on this, on this, uh, South Dakota whitetail, it worked and I got the deer and he's in my freezer and, uh, the head is currently getting euro mounted at a taxidermist. So that's all you can ask for just to do a lot of damage so that hopefully you can catch up to it and finish it off if you need to, or, you know, let it set for a while and then let it die. That stuff happens. That's why I like shooting wasp because there's a ton of damage with that three blade jackhammer.
Okay, so let's see. We've talked about one, two, three, four. We've talked about all of them except Vortex. And I'll, I'll keep Vortex kind of short here because um, I, I like to glass. Uh, and obviously in Nebraska and South Dakota uh, this year, it's it's mandatory to glass. I mean, it's necessary. Because in South Dakota and in Nebraska, I could not shoot mule deer doe. I could only shoot mule deer buck. And that was any deer with a six inch spike or, or over. That was a legal deer. So with all that said, I had, uh, um, I needed my binoculars and my spotting scope to identify if they were in fact does or if they were spike bucks and I could go chase them or cause I, I went into those hunts with any legal deer in mind, right? I could shoot a white-tailed doe, but man, you know, I got white-tailed does here in Iowa. I figured, hey, I want to try to shoot a mule deer. I ended up coming away with a uh, a whitetail out of South Dakota. But I will say this. I am uh, very happy with the uh, the the Vortex Optics, the the range find or the range finder that I use. I think that's the Ranger 1000. And then I have the spotting scope, and then I have the uh, cross, I think it's crossfire. I think they're the crossfire binos. I've had them for eight years, uh, if not longer. And I've taken advantage of their VIP warranty a couple times where, you know, if you break it or whatever, you can send it in, they fix it for free and they send it back to you. Um, and it's just a brand that I love the guys who work there. And, uh, the, the optic itself allows me to do what I need to do. Right. So of all the things here that I've talked about today, if you are thinking about that product while you're actively hunting, something's wrong with it. It's gotta be something wrong. If I am thinking about my lone wolf tree stand, as I'm setting it up, I know that something's wrong with it, right? Oh God, it's squeaky or it's making noise or man, why is my, why are my binoculars not working right? Or, or why is, uh, why is my, uh, my arrow like peeling off to one direction or the other? If you're thinking about that, all these things, there's something wrong with the product that you're using, right? So the good thing about everything I've just mentioned today is as I'm going into my hunting strategy, I'm actually not thinking about these products at all. I'm thinking about the strategy that I need to put in place in order to get an animal on the ground. Now, for example, a boots is a boot is a perfect example, right? If you, if your boots are making your feet hurt, well, something's wrong with your boots. You need to, you, you didn't break them in or you need a different kind of boot or, or whatever. Uh, and so that product isn't working for you at that time. So that's kind of how I do it. Um, kind of an awkward end here, but that's the end of the, <laughs> that's the end of the podcast. Uh, again, I, I always tell people, you know, what works best for you. A lot of people say, hey, Dan, uh, what, sh- what broadhead should I use? I'm like, what broadhead do you like? What broadhead have you tested? I guess if you don't, uh, if you don't, if you're kind of stuck at a dead end, I've mentioned one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine products that I, I would recommend, but they may not work for you. They may not feel comfortable for you. I, I, w- I definitely recommend all these products that I, I have talked about today. But again, we all have to do our due diligence and find the products that work for us and put us 
into the uh, comfortable, confident, and success category, right? And sometimes it takes years to cycle through. Sometimes a new product comes out, you want to test it, and that'll say, hey, man, I love this product more, or Ugh, I'm going to go back into something that, I, uh, that I've been using for a long time. That, that's, that's kind of a, a WASP example for me. So I know right now is not the time to go out and uh, change a whole bunch of things. I know now is not the time. So uh, make sure you're comfortable, confident with the, uh, the products that you have. Get out there. Go kill something. Let me know about it. I, I want to share it on all my platforms. Thank you guys for tuning in uh, today. Hopefully you're listening to this uh, either on a noon break or on the way to a tree stand or on the way back from a hunt. Uh, Good luck. Please be safe. Most important product that I didn't talk about today was your safety harness. Make sure you're wearing that. Make sure you subscribe to the uh, Nine Finger Chronicles, the hunting gear podcast, and all of the uh, podcasts coming out of the Sportsman's Nation. And uh, be safe and have fun. (laughs) 